When looking at innovation in nature and in culture, environments that build walls around good ideas tend to be less innovative in the long run than more open-ended environments. Now, today we're going to be discussing Stephen Johnson's incredible, incredible book, Where Good Ideas Come From, the history and the power of innovation and therefore evolution. You know, you, you cannot have evolution without variation. Variation is basically the key to evolution. And this book really talks about focusing on crafting good ideas and, and basically building the best environment where good ideas can spread. And, you know, he ends this uh, first section basically saying this, you know, we are often better served by connecting ideas than we are by protecting them. You know, a lot of people get an idea and they go, oh, I don't want to share that because someone else is going to steal it and take it. That's not how things work. You know, if you study this book, that's not how it works. Typically, there's a slow incubation process. So you have to have multiple, basically, raw ingredients you can think of. That's why you have to become eclectic. You know, the, the idea of becoming a renaissance man. You know, somebody who isn't just, um, you know, isn't just single, um, you know, isn't just an expert in one field, but they're eclectic. They know multiple things. They know a little bit about cooking, a little bit about music, a little bit about um, the arts, a little bit about business, a little bit about customer service, a little bit about nature, a little bit about athletics. All these different things combine, and that's when you become eclectic. That's where you can basically take ideas from other things. So, you know, maybe you're trying to think of a business idea and you're studying how to play the piano or you're reading a history book. Well, you can extract lessons from these things, you know, archetypes, basically things that are universal. It doesn't matter. They're not just um, independent to their field. They're, they don't just happen in a vacuum. They're, they're basically, um, you know, if you look at things in the macro picture, um, you know, you can kind of divide things up to micro and macro. So micro might be like your day-to-day, like what you're currently doing. You're listening to this. This is kind of like a micro event. But in the macro, you could go, okay, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast, but let me go in the macro. Well, it would probably help me in the long run if I listened to maybe just 15 minutes of podcasts a day, you know, consistently. That's, that's kind of a macro idea. And this book really talks about macro ideas, and it's, it's very interesting because he, he supports all these different findings with really interesting information, really interesting kind of evolution, Darwin, and all these different things. So Good ideas may not want to be free, but they want to connect, fuse, recombine. They want to reinvent themselves by crossing conceptual borders. They want to complete each other as much as they want to compete. So we're going to continue on and, and really focus on how to build this environment. You know, this environment where you can find the adjacent possible, which is something that he, he kind of goes into. And basically the adjacent possible is if, if you're so focused on one thing and you're kind of burnt out on that, like let's say... You're just um, all your focus all day is on, um, you know, coming up with a new business idea. You, know, you want to think of a new business. Well, the issue is, is <clears throat> you don't have enough raw ingredients going into it. So you need to do other things <clears throat> to, to basically move your mind around, shift your mind around, kind of stir this pot. You can think of it kind of like a, a soup. <clears throat> you can have two people and you go, okay, who's going to cook the better soup? One is a master chef with 30 years of restaurant experience. The other has never cooked a day in their life. They just are going to dump things in a, in a pot. And you give the master chef chicken broth and noodles, and then you give the other person, you know, 100 different amazing ingredients for soup. Who's going to make the better soup? Well, most likely the one with more ingredients. And, and that's the thing with this. You have to kind of increase the amount of raw ingredients you have. 
It's the amount of inputs you have. And you have to realize that, you know, your inputs dictate your outputs. So what you're, what you're processing through your mind, what you're taking in, those will dictate what you output. Those will dictate the things that you do, the things that you create, the innovations that you make. So if, if you're basically, you can think of it kind of as a mental diet, you know, it's very true with your body that, you know, your diet, your input equals your output. You know, if you're, you are what you eat in a way, you know, if you're just eating donuts every day, well, you're probably not going to be the most healthiest. And if you're just watching the Kardashians all day, well, your mind's probably not going to be the most healthiest. And your mind basically adapts to these things. And the thing that we don't realize is everything has a half-life. You know, they teach us this in, in high school science class, but they don't teach us this, the importance um, in, in how true it is in real life. They teach us the experience, experiments, you know, actions have half-lives. And it's, it's true in life. You know, an action today, you may not see the actual compounding effects till a year from now. You know, if, if you spend all day today watching Netflix and eating pizza, well, maybe tomorrow you can recover. But a week from now, you're going to have this strange craving for Netflix and pizza. <laughs> and that's how things have half-life. You know, it's kind of like the opportunity cost of time and the opportunity cost of money. You know, it's, it's not just that action taken. It's not just that dollar spent. It's you have to compare that with what, would you, what could you do if you invested that dollar? What could you do if you invested that time in building your own brain and listening to podcasts like this? So recall the question we began with. What kind of innovation creates good ideas? The simplest way to answer it is this. Innovative environments are better at helping their inhabitants explore the adjacent possible because they expose a wide and diverse sample of spare parts, mechanical or conceptual. So those are kind of the raw ingredients. They encourage novel ways of recombining those parts. So think about this as kind of like stirring the ingredients together to create new flavors. You know, if they're all just cooking in separate things, they're just going to have the individual flavor, but you put them in a soup and they have different flavors as you stir them. You know, thinking of this as the ingredients you have in your head, the raw ingredients, the experiences you have, the books you've read, the podcasts you've listened to, all the different people you've mentored, you know, all these different things. And by obscuring, obscuring certain branches of the possibility by making the current state so satisfying that no one bothers to explore the edges will on average generate and circulate Fewer innovations than environments that courage exploration. The infinite variety of life that so impressed Darwin standing in the calm waters of the Keeling Island exists because the coral reef is supremely gifted at recycling and reinventing the spare parts of its ecosystem. Part of coming up with a good idea is discovering what those spare parts are and ensuring that you're not just recycling the same old ingredients. So most people just recycle the same old ingredients and they don't add any new ingredients. You know, people that are not open to new experiences, people are not, that don't read, people that don't listen to podcasts, they just watch fiction. You know, maybe they read fiction books and they hang out with the same people. They stay in their same town. You know, these things do not add more ingredients. You know, they, these people are just recycling the same old ingredients and you don't have innovation with that. The key to evolution is variation. So you must have vari- variating things. You must be open to new experiences. You must travel. You must get out of your own country. You know, Jordan Peterson talks about this with the call of Abraham. <clears throat> that you don't understand your own country until you leave it. Until you can have just this kind of objective view of it. Until you can go, oh, now that I'm not in that anymore, I know that that's not the only way of life. You know, people around the world are living so much different and interesting lives. So it's important that you do this. It's important that you talk to new people. You know, if, if you just talk to those same people, like attracts like. 
So you're, you're kind of in this bubble. You know, when people say that bubble, we need to expand that bubble. You need to get outside of that bubble. You need to be able to get outside of it, look at it objectively and go, okay, what are the things that I'm doing right? What are the things that I'm doing wrong? What are the things that I should cut out of my life? What are the things that I should double down on? What are the new things I should start? What are the, you know, some new things I could learn about? You know, martial arts, history, arts, music, all these different things. It's important to learn. You know, these are, these are increasing the ingredients so you're not just recycling the same old ingredients like other people. You know, there's a great quote by Thoreau that I always repeat. The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. What's called desperation is confirmed resignation. Very, very powerful by Thoreau. So the trick to having good ideas is not just sit around in glorious isolation and try to think big thoughts. The trick is to get more parts on the table. So it's, it's not just about isolation. It's not just about focusing on creating good ideas because that's not how that works. There's so many important factors of creating an environment that mixes good ideas. Being around others is a huge, huge one. You know, cities are giant for this. You know, it basically Dunbar's number, that 150 number of connections. Cities are basically the, the evolution of these tribes that our ancestors um, basically lived with. And our ancestors lived in a time where you basically didn't have big big populations living together. You lived in tribes and that's how we evolved. You know, that's, that's what we're used to. So that's kind of our hardwiring, um, you know, subconsciously. So you need to understand this and go, okay, it's important to have variation. So maybe it's not best for you to be in the city all the time. And maybe it's not best for you to be, um, completely isolated all the time. So find a balance approach, you know, as Warren Buffett says, step-by-step, you get ahead, not necessarily in fast spurts. So Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe. Check out Stephen Johnson's book, Where Great Ideas Come From, The History of Evolution and Innovation. Till next time.